Hey, my name is Katie Pijanowski, and I'm a certified life coach and motivational speaker, and I'm here to help you unlock your true strength so you can create the life of your dreams. I teach you my best tips to master your mindset, create confidence, and empower yourself to take back your life. It's your time. This is the Mind and Body Strong Podcast. listening to the Mind and Body Strong podcast, and we have a special guest on today's show. Her name's Molly Seifert, and she is an intuitive eating and body image coach who helps women stop hating their bodies and ditch dieting for good so that they can unlock a life of freedom and confidence. It lights Molly up to watch women step into their power as 100% worthy beings. She believes that all bodies are good bodies and that you can be happy and healthy in any size body. And she is just such a light. You guys need to follow her on social media at Molly Kate Wellness because she's always doing dance parties and sharing (laughs) about all of her, like her dogs. And she's just a fun soul. So welcome to the podcast, Molly. Thank you so much for that sweet intro. It means the world to me that people enjoy my goofy dance parties and my dogs as much as I do. (laughs) I was watching them yesterday and I was like, I want to join. (laughs) But I have been following you for probably about a year. And when I actually started my intuitive eating journey about a year ago, and you were one of the influencers who really gave me the information I needed to go through my healing process. Um, So I really thank you for everything that you've shared. And I'm really excited to hear your story a little bit about that. And then just kind of diving into a deeper conversation with you around you know, whatever comes up. So, cause you have so much knowledge. So I'm just so excited. So <laughs> well, tell yeah. us a little bit about you and we'll go from there. Totally. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit before we started recording and I resonate so much with your story. So I'll share a little bit of mine and I'm sure everybody listening will like pick out little pieces that are like, Oh, I relate to that. I relate to that. So it's just such a good reminder that we're never alone in any of this and and when we're when we're in the trenches we feel like oh i'm so broken i'm so wrong like but you're not you're really not you're just very normal and human um so of course like you said like i'm an intuitive eating and body image coach and so much of that come well all of that comes from my own story which, you know, everybody has a little bit of a different story. I actually had a pretty normal relationship to food and my body until I got to like mid-college. And my story actually started off with some digestive issues. I was just having like kind of the whole range of digestive problems and was really frustrated and got diagnosed with IBS and was given a medication that did help. But I just, I think if I remember correctly, I was getting headaches and I like wasn't able to sleep well. And I was like, can't do this. Like, there's no way I can take this medication. I just, I can't function with it. Yes, it makes my stomach feel better, but I need to figure out a different way. And so my boss at the time, her husband was a celiac and she was like, you know, maybe going gluten-free would help you a little bit, like regardless of whether you're a celiac or not. So try going gluten-free. So that was my first step. I went gluten-free and I did feel better, but not a hundred percent. And so then I, you know, did a bunch of reading and my own, you know, Google doctor research and removed dairy. And then I, I felt better. And so I was strictly gluten and dairy free for a really long time. Ooh, sorry. That's my, uh, 
That's my 11-11 alarm. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love angel numbers. <laughs> yes, yes. To remind myself that I'm loved and supported. So everybody, we're all loved and supported. This is perfect timing. I love it. <laughs> it really is. Um, actually, let me turn my phone on. I think it is on silent, but alarms always. Okay. Yes. All right. So um, what happened was I was like, yes, I'm feeling better, but I started to get really obsessive about the gluten and the dairy. And so my obsession actually just started around like removing food groups, not necessarily about like my, my body appearance, but how my body felt. And so that's when it all started for me. I like was so obsessive about removing gluten. It was like I was a celiac, like I was obsessed with cross-contamination and this and that. And it was just a way for me to control something, right? It was, it's so clear now looking back, but then it was like, I'm doing the best thing I can for my body. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just a tool to control something that I felt like was out of my control and my ego did not like that. And then I went to grad school and I was living with a bunch of women um, that were also in my program and continued to be really obsessive. Uh, and during that time, um, I should also mention, I kind of partially, I moved across the country. I moved from Chicago to Oregon, well, Wisconsin to Oregon as kind of a means to run away from some familial problems that were going on. So that was like the first part of my like quarter life crisis. Like there was like some family issues going on that I was like, I'm just going to peace out and like get out of here. Right. Cause I need to remove myself from the situation. So that was the first part of it. So I moved to Oregon, everything's beautiful and amazing. And I'm in this like high level grad program and I meet a guy and I fall in love and like everything was amazing and perfect until it started crumbling. <laughs> so about halfway through grad school, I realized that I did not want to be an athletic trainer anymore. So I had both my undergrad and my grad in athletic training, I went to like one of the top three grad schools for athletic training and halfway through was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> so that started all these thoughts of like, oh man, I totally messed up. Like, what am I going to do with my life? This was my entire plan. Then on top of that, the man I had been dating, we had talked about marriage. We were looking at rings and he basically was just like, this isn't right. And so like everything is just all these things that I had built so perfectly, right, had started to crumble around me. So I turned to not only just obsessing about what type of food I was eating, but then I started to move into extreme calorie restriction because I was like, well, let me just lose a few pounds. Then I'll be like super lean and cut and all this stuff. And then everybody will think I've got all my crap together, right? I'll look like on the outside, like I'm perfect. So nobody will ever realize what's going on on the inside. Mm -hmm. Obviously not a conscious thought at the time, but now it's so clear that I was just trying to control the external so nobody could come see the internal was just like totally imploding. So I became really obsessive, extremely reduced my calorie intake to an impossible amount. And I was incredibly active at the time. I mean, I rode my bike to work. I had a really active job. I was also a half marathon runner at the time. So my <laughs> energy needs were very high and I was restricting to an insane amount. And so then I would get into that binge cycle, like you kind of were talking about earlier of extreme exercising and then binging. And the relationship I started to create with food in my body was insanely detrimental at that time. Mm -hmm. And so Luckily, I had a couple of friends who had previously gone through eating disorders, kind of in silence, like I didn't really know until they had healed, which is so common. 
And I was talking to one of my friends about how I was just trying to, you know, lose a couple of pounds and it wasn't working because I was overeating all the time. And she was the one that was like, you know, your relationship to food is developing in a really unhealthy way and it's not normal. And it took a couple of times, but then I, eventually I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. And so that was the moment that I decided to like ditch my scale, give myself full permission. I had no idea what intuitive eating was at the time. Uh, but I basically was doing it without any guidance. And that's why that wasn't the end of my story. Because then after that, I gained weight, got really uncomfortable with it because I was like, oh no, like this is the end of the world now. So now let me become obsessed with healthy eating. And that's actually where I had a longer poor relationship with food and actually started to like negatively impact my life in so many more ways. I started retreating from like going out to dinner with friends. I never drank alcohol because I demonized it. And so like I isolated myself from so many people in my life because I was like, well, I don't drink. Well, I can't eat that. Well, I can't do this. And I, my personality started to just like shut down. Um, looking back, it makes me really sad because now I've, I've worked so hard to get some of those fun parts of me back and I'm so grateful they're back, but that was a really hard time. Um, and so I actually became a health coach initially with the intent of like teaching everyone how to be healthy all the time and how to cut your sugar cravings, and how to do all that, which is so hilarious. And then during that process, I came across intuitive eating and I was like, whoa, this is what I need for myself. And this is what I need to teach other people. So I just dove in head first for myself, found it so healing, and then really transitioned and niched into my business as this is what I'm teaching other people as well. Um, and it has honestly changed my life. It has, it's allowed me to like, I needed that initial up level so that I can now like up level in other areas of my life. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do because I believe just like myself, this like obsession with food and body is holding so many women back from up-leveling in other areas of their life, like love and relationships and career and fulfillment. And so that's what I really love to see in women is how their life changes beyond the food and body freedom, because that's just one level. But the tools that we use and the tools that they learn are going to impact them for all their up levels, which I think is just like the coolest thing ever. So that was kind of the long-winded version of my story. Um, but that's why I do what I do and why I love it. Yeah. You know, one thing I kept going back in your story, because I know a lot of your story, but I didn't know the part where you know, you were with this boyfriend you thought you were going to marry. And then like from there, it just kind of like was spiraling, going to the over-exercising and under eating slash binge eating, because I can totally relate to that because I was in the same position. Mm. I was in a six year relationship. And before the end of that, it was like, I was, I knew that it wasn't right for me, like in my gut knew it was right. But because I was in this dieting cycle, I was so used to just ignoring my body's signals and so I just over-exercised and over-exercised and over-exercised and like my food regimen was just so crazy. And it wasn't like a, like less calories. It was a lot of food, but it wasn't satisfying. And mm -hmm. so I never felt like I was satisfied with food. And um, when I finished that three month long, really intensive um, workout plan, it was the binge, like healthy eating cycle for months until um, that relationship ended. And I finally got honest with myself about like what I wanted, but I beat myself up for like nine months with binge eating because I felt like, you know, why did I wait so long to like 
end this. And it was just a horrible, like, you know, little span until I found intuitive eating, which is so much more, I think what people think of it is like, oh, you just eat whatever you want. It's an entire healing process of every aspect of your life. And I think I heard you say this on um, either your social media or I was listening to your, another podcast episode you were in and you were just saying, you know, how every day you're learning and you're just, um, you're always coming back to all the principles and what do I need to nourish right now in my life? So Mm -hmm. I think that's so great. And right before we jumped on here, we were really kind of talking about how when we're in those places of high stress and high emotion, how sometimes when we go back to those, those habits, that maybe aren't great, like over-exercising and overeating or restricting. And so I wanted to hear your thoughts on coping with that and how you kind of learn to cope with your emotions. Mm, yeah, so much good stuff there, especially like the not feeling, sorry, my dog is whining in the background. <laughs> Don't mind that, everyone. I love them. Um, I know, they're so fun. Um, especially around the like not feeling satisfied with your food because if we're forcing ourselves to follow these certain guidelines around food and we're not feeling satisfied so often we're doing the same thing in life you know like in other aspects of our life it's just it's so evident now that I can see it um and now I can pick it out for myself but it took me a while to get there and that kind of really speaks to these habits that you're talking about is that this is a process and it takes time. What we have to realize is that the habits that we've created, we've been doing subconsciously for years. So be really patient with yourself when you're trying to create a new habit. I hate this whole um, saying that like habits are created in 21 days. That science is about like I used to tie my right shoe first. Now I tie my left shoe first. Like that's talking about like really like. It's not like your identity, like shifting your identity is different. Yes. Yeah. It's like little low level habits of just like physical things. You cannot change your psyche in 21 days. So let me make that very clear. (laughs) Yes. I'm so glad you made that distinction because I think that's what a lot of people think. And that's what I thought when I entered the health field is like, oh, I'm doing this 21 day program and then I'll just like be healthy for life. It'll be great. Yeah. No. No, but I think that's so true. Like the way you just said that was exactly how I thought for so long. And it's probably exactly how people that are listening to this have either either consciously thought or now they're like, whoa, that's totally what I thought. Right. So like, know that you're not alone if you're like, oh my gosh, that's totally me. And also like, it's such a good reminder to give yourself grace about building habits. So the way that I like to, the analogy that I love to use with this is think about a hiking trail in this forest, right? There's a hiking trail that is just so beaten down. It's so clear that like, it's the easiest path to take. So of course you're going to take that. Our brain is hardwired for efficiency. So it's going to take the easy known path. But what's, what's happening when you want to build new habits and especially around intuitive eating and like because you know it's going to lead you to acceptance in this beautiful place. It's like you just heard that there's this beautiful lake in the middle of this forest, but there's no path there. So you now have to choose and create your own path. But even the first time that you create that path, 
it's not going to be clear the next time. So you have to effort and you have to like beat down that path. So it's all about repetition and it's going to take a while for that new path to that beautiful lake to be as clear as that old path was. And that's what's happening in your brain when you're rewiring things is your brain is almost a little resistant to creating new pathways because it's like, Molly, this is hard. Why can't we just take the easy road? It's right there, right? But you have a higher self. You have a higher consciousness that you're like, nope, listen, I know this beautiful lake is there and we're going to take this path even though it feels harder right now because eventually it will feel easy. So kind of think of it that way. It's going to take a while to build that new path. And there's going to be times where you're like, screw it. I don't want to take that path today. Let me just take the easy path. That doesn't mean that the next day you go for a hike, you can can't choose that path to the lake again. So be really patient with yourself in this process. Um, and when you are noticing patterns that you don't want anymore, that you want to change, it's really important to go to the core of where these patterns are coming from. And one framework that I like to use is almost reverse engineering, not just being like, I'm going to change this pattern, but figuring out why the pattern is happening in the first place and starting at the root instead of the impact. So I learned this actually from uh, Brendan Burchard, who is like a high performance coach. So maybe people listening have heard of him. Have you heard of him? I love Brendan. Yeah, Brendan's he great. He spoke at a conference I was at. I've read oh, all his books. I love him. Yeah, he's fantastic. I hired one of his coaches um, a couple years ago, and it was life-changing. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, the framework is thoughts impact your feelings, impact your actions. And so often we just stay in the, the actions area, the actions or habits, and we don't peel back the layers of like, okay, what are the initial thoughts that are happening in my subconscious that are creating specific feelings? And that's actually what's causing me to create this habit, right? So for example, an action that so many people do, right, is diet, right? They, and they like stick to this plan for so long, blah, blah, blah. But when you actually reverse engineer where that's coming from, <laughs> and you guys are probably going to hate that I'm going to say this, but I'm just going to be real, real with you. The initial thought is somehow that you're not worthy or you're not whole or you're not enough, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, the thought is somehow that you're wrong. And I'm writing this down for myself because I'm just like a visual person. Absolutely. So you guys, if you're listening, you can kind of like write this down and like maybe even draw three columns, like thoughts, feelings, actions, and reverse engineer. So mm -hmm. I can go back to that because I know that that's where everybody's core is, but you might want to start at actions, right? So let's, let's think of an example and let's work it through the way that like somebody else might do this. So can you think of like an action that somebody might want to change? An action they might want to change. So maybe like binge eating cupcakes okay. after work. Yes. Okay. So the action is binge eating. What are the feelings that precede binge eating for, for you or most people or, you know, what was it for you? Definitely like anxiety, like, mm. um, a little bit of like depression at times, like mm -hmm. just very heavy, emotional, negative feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. Fear. Yeah. So what do you think the th were the thoughts 
that created those emotions for you. And now it's easy for you to see these now probably as a coach. So if you're somebody like listening to this, like have somebody kind of walk you through this if you can't get a clear answer. But what were the thoughts that created that anxiety that created that depression and fear for you? I think a lot of it was, um, you know, I'm supposed to look a certain way. I'm a health coach. Mm, yeah. And that made me anxious because I wanted to, you know, eat certain food, but foods, but in, you go to a Mexican restaurant and eat chips and salsa. All of a sudden I felt like I was a failure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the side of um, the relationship, when that started happening, it was like, um, you know, I'm supposed to be moving to the next step of my life. And now mm-hmm. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I felt like I had to catch up. Yeah. I like was covering all the emotions with the action of binge eating. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm behind. I'm yeah, doing- I'm behind. Definitely. Yeah. This is a great place to notice all the should statements that we have for ourselves. Yep. Like I should have done this or I should be doing this. So if though that's a really good way, if you're having a hard time figuring out what the thoughts were, if you notice <clears throat> any like should statements that's a, a really good key in. So now that you see like this flow chart written down, or I do because I've written it down. And if you're listening, hopefully you can do this too. Yeah. It's so clear why you would do those actions, right? So this activity can be really validating too. It's like, well, no wonder if I'm thinking that I need to look a certain way and I'm behind, it's going to create anxiety and depression and fear. And then it's going to cause me to binge eat. Like, mm-hmm. So validated for me. It's like the easy one. Like you said, I loved that visual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is the loop that we've been hiking subconsciously for so long. And so instead of changing the binge eating, I teach clients and I encourage everyone listening to let's work on those thoughts, right? work on those thoughts of I'm supposed to look a certain way, challenge these things. This is the time to challenge them. And then the other thing that's important here too, is that Try not to (laughs) force yourself to replace these thoughts with thoughts like, I am amazing, or I am so perfect. So tell us then why that doesn't work. Yeah, because that doesn't work because then it creates feelings of, no, I'm not. (laughs) Right. And and then it it creates more feelings of like, um, inadequacy. It just, it perpetuates this feeling, those feelings of I'm not enough. I I'm wrong. I don't actually fit those molds. And then you're going to fall back into an action that you don't want. So it's so important that you start, you meet yourself exactly where you're at and replace those thoughts with things that actually feel true and real to you. So a thought that you could challenge it with, and this is, this is where that awareness and curiosity piece is so important. When you start to notice and you created that awareness of like, Oh, I just had this little ping of, I should have done this, or I should look this way. That's when you get to challenge. You get to challenge those thoughts and say, you know what? I don't need to look a certain way. I'm at a place where I still feel that way, but I am in the process of learning that that's not true, mm-hmm. right? You need to meet yourself where you're at and, and be honest about that. So if we challenged, um, I'm behind. So let's mm-hmm. use that thought of I'm behind. What would you, what would be a, a thing that would feel real to you to challenge that with? Well, I mean, the first thought that kind of comes to my head now, and I guess it's because I've done a lot of work is just like, I've, I'm capable or I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be is like Mm -hmm. a thought that 
I always think, even when I feel that way, it's like, no, no, no. I used to think that, but I, now I know that I'm exactly where I need to be. Yeah. And so that's kind of like a new thought I've replaced it with, but challenging it, that would be like asking questions about like, well, where, where should I be? Like, Mm -hmm. according to who, whenever Mm -hmm. I hear people say should, I'm like, according to who? Right. And then they're like, uh, uh, uh. (laughs) Totally. Yes. That's so important too. And that's like, that can lead to some even deeper healing of like, when did that become a thought? And when's the earliest that you believe that? And so then that's a, a place that I use a lot of inner child work. So we do a meditation and we take, we take higher self Katie and little Katie and they have a conversation and you get to self parent yourself and say, Hey, I know that you've, you've just took on this message, but I want to let you know that here's the truth. And you basically tell your younger self exactly what they needed to hear. And again, you repeat, you repeat, you repeat. Um, But to kind of go, and maybe we can go back to that in a deeper way, but to keep on this track of this flow chart of thoughts, feelings, actions, when you think and, and bridge it for the people that can't fully get on board with, I'm exactly where I need to be. Maybe you can bridge it with, I'm learning that I'm exactly where I need to be, or I'm working on accepting that I'm exactly where I need to be. Yeah. So then what kind of feelings and emotions does that thought evoke? I I think when I'm thinking like I'm in the process of believing I'm on the right track would probably give me a little bit of calmness. Yes. Calming. And, and even it's okay if you like, don't really feel much and you just feel really neutral, like Like, that's an improvement, right? That is like a huge celebration. I think that we skip over that because we're always looking for the next thing. Mm-hmm. it's so important to celebrate that neutral moment it's like hey you feel nothing like that's better than negative so we're good <laughs> like, yeah totally and noticing that like most of our life is actually neutral like there's very few like really uncomfortable moments and really few like really exuberant moments so getting really comfortable with the neutral and like allowing that to be really calming um so then when you're feeling calm and neutral and maybe even like a little bit comforted what kind of actions do you think are going to come next? I'd probably ask myself, like, what do I need right now? Yes. You give your space for like curiosity and like, what would actually feel best right now? And what I love the most about that is like, sometimes people can still choose food and that's okay. But right. now you're choosing it consciously. You're like, you know what? A latte from Starbucks would just make me feel so much better and maybe even their pumpkin bread. And then I can enjoy it instead of binging it unconsciously and move on with my life. Or you can start to build your toolbox of like, you know what? I just need to call a friend right now. Or you know what? I mean, even for me, like putting my phone down and watching a TV show isn't numbing out. Like my phone is how I numb out. So if I put my phone away and I watch a TV show, that's, that's actually better for me, you know? So it's all about figuring out what works for you and starting to get curious and use those tools. So I love that. Thank you so much for like being open to like going through this framework so that everybody can see how the process kind of works. I love that. Of course. Yeah. That's kind of the process I use a lot too. And even just seeing how circumstances in our life that we can't control, you know, trigger us and, I used to get so mad at that and now seeing it as an opportunity for like inner healing, Mm. um, you know, it takes a while because like there's moments where I was still like so heated and like the day later I was like able to look at that. Yeah. Oh, like that is a reflection of something I need to heal. Yes. So true. I was at this workshop 
a couple weeks ago and the woman kind of referred to it in a couple of different ways. And I loved all of her analogies, but she referred to it as like the toxic tank. Like we all have a toxic tank full of things that need to be healed. And anytime it gets agitated is those moments where something comes up. Right. Um, and everything that comes up is something that is being called to heal. And we're human, right? We're not like in every moment going to be like, oh, this old story came up. Let me pause everything and heal it right now in this moment, right? So don't expect yourself to do that. We are not Buddha. We are not like we can't do that. But you can notice it and become aware and be curious and be like, hmm, that's interesting. And then in that moment, you get to choose, right? Like, so many people choose to ignore them, but eventually they'll, they'll probably choose to heal it and come back to it. But know that it's a, such a gift to be agitated. It's such a gift because it bangs. It's like a baseball bat to that toxic tank and then something bubbles up and it's like, this is something that needs to be healed. Yeah. The other kind of analogy she used that I really loved is that like everything that's happening in your external world is a reflection of what's happening in your internal world. And it's so think of like, remember those old school project, I don't know how old you are, but those old school projectors like slides that Mm -hmm. like were like a physical little cardboard thing with like the picture. Do you remember those? Um, If you're listening to this and you don't remember those, Google it and then you'll see how old I am. (laughs) Um, But what happens is you have these, pictures, you have these slides that go into the projector and then it projects onto the wall. And so often what we do in life is we see what's on the wall and we don't like it. And so then we go to the wall and we try to change the picture, right? We try Mm -hmm. to draw over things. We try to cross things out. We try to like, we try to change the external picture, but at the end of the day, that's not what needs to be changed. What needs to be changed is the actual slide right? So we go inside and create a new slide or create a new blueprint, right? Like we all have a blueprint that we're kind of born with that comes from our ancestry, first of all, and then it comes from our experiences. So we like create this blueprint that builds this building of our life. And if you don't like something about the building, you got to change the blueprint. Absolutely. And that's where so many people get get lost is we're so focused on just changing everything we can grasp on the outside when it's not the thing that's creating it. So you're still going to get a lot of the same thing and be real frustrated. Yes. A hundred percent. And again, validate yourself in that we're humans that live in a really physical world. So of course we're going to attach ourselves to the physical things that are happening around us. But what I've learned over this journey and I know what you've learned and what we're teaching our people around us is that it's, it's not so much about that. And we can also validate ourselves in that. Like it's so normal to do that. It's okay, but you're going to find yourself running in circles if that's what you're trying to do. And, and even I, to this day, notice myself in those cycles and I'm like, and then I have to catch myself and be like, all right, what actually needs to be changed here? So know that, even when you do the work in one area and you level up, you're going to find yourself doing the same patterns at the next level until you notice it and you up level. And that's just the process. And there's no shame in that. I I finally, over the last year, really finally realized, I think I thought for the longest time, I'm such a perfectionist that I was like, well, if I do this work and I do this personal development, I go to therapy, I'll get to this 
point where everything is fine and I'm happy all the time. <laughs> yeah. Wishful yeah. thinking, right? We all, I like to think that too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But what I've realized in the last year, and, and it's so interesting to notice my reaction to it, what I've noticed in the last year truly is that there is no place to arrive and I'm always going to be doing this work a hundred percent of the time. And old me would have found that enraging. I would have been like, well, what's the point? Why would I even try? If I'm not going to get to this perfect point, why would I even be doing this? But actually what I found in the last year is it's so comforting. It's like, oh, like I can be happy here and now and also always want to improve. Like that to me, it has been like the biggest gift of intuitive eating and body image work because it led me to that place of just acceptance. And of course I get in cycles of not accepting things and not surrendering, but Mm -hmm. I'm getting more and more of it. And it just, it's, it's everything, honestly. I love that. That was just, I shared some really fantastic analogies. I'm not the best at coming up with those, but when I hear them, I'm like so attached to them. Like, oh, yes. I love it analogies. So much sense. Like the, the hiking and going through the path and the slides. I mean, that's like so relevant and I really appreciate those. So yeah. you have brought so much value. I have a couple questions to kind of round out. Yeah. So what are your, some of your favorite affirmations right now? Mm, yeah. So I did this really powerful healing experience at this workshop that I was at. And I have been working so hard uh, on surrendering. And it still is like, it's still a little pie in the sky for me. I'll be totally honest. I'm not totally on board with it yet because it's, my ego just doesn't like the simplicity of it. <laughs> But I was in this experience and uh, released a lot of beliefs that I tell myself stories of, which still come back. Like when you do one healing experience, it's not like they're gone forever, right? So I have to continually come back to it. And then you ask for guidance from, you know, whatever you believe in, whether it's just your highest self or whether it's God or a higher power, whatever it is, the semantics are irrelevant but I asked for a message and the message that I got, and it, it made me laugh because I was like, it's so simple. The message that I got was you're so loved and you're so supported. And that's literally all you need to know. And I laughed because I'm, I'm such a person that's like, well, give me the play by play, right? Like I want a spreadsheet of exactly what I need to do to get to this place of feeling loved and supported. And the message that I got was that you already are. Um, so that's what I've really been working on is trying to embody that and allow myself to feel loved and supported in the way that I've always imagined because it's already there. Um, so that's what I've been working on. It, it was just so funny when I got that message. I was almost, like my ego was so mad. I was like, that's, it's just, that's just too simple. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And we want to question it because we, we, our brains like want to make things hard. And I think we're programmed from when we're little that everything needs to be this really hard process and it just doesn't have to be, we don't have to subscribe to that. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that for me personally comes from my like familial conditioning. I come from a very German family and um, Eastern Europeans are notorious for finding pride in struggle. So I have adopted this story that 
to be loved and accepted and impressive, I have to struggle really hard. So because of that, we almost create our own struggle. And letting go of those stories are scary because that's how our families always operated. <laughs> but it's, not, it's just, it doesn't have to be your reality, but it is going to take some work to get rid of that story. So, Absolutely. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So last thing before we close out, since we talked about like emotional healing and kind of finding other ways to work through that, what are some of your favorite ways that you kind of cope through whatever emotions you're going through that are outside of food now? Yeah. Oh, so many, so many good things on a really deep level. Um, I really love doing this like emotional regulation and embodiment exercise that I do where I basically just like tap into my body, notice where I'm feeling the emotion and then speak out loud what I'm feeling in the stories that I'm telling myself, just like get it out of my body. And then I imagine it leaving my body with a couple different imagery techniques that I use. And then I ask for, you know, guidance or some sort of like intuitive message. So I try to do that every day as just a way to like process and regulate my emotions because we all have emotions every day. (laughs) So if you don't think you need to do that, you probably do. So that's like a deeper thing that I like to do. Secondly, I love to do inner child meditations as well. So kind of when we were talking about these thoughts, feelings, actions earlier, so many of those thoughts that are playing on repeat were created in a younger version of us. So that practice of reparenting ourselves and giving our younger selves exactly what they needed to hear is like a deeper process that I love. Um, to do. So those are the more like deep uh, spiritual things that I like to do, but on like a, I don't want to say superficial cause they have so much value, but I love walking. Like I, I walk, I also have dogs. So I, I'm always like, what would I do if I didn't have dogs? And I think I'm like, always like, I think I would still have to go for multiple walks a day because right. <laughs> it's just so healing for me. Um, sometimes I'll do it without listening to anything, but I also do love to walk and listen to a book or listen to a podcast and I love moving my body. I really do. And, and so for the longest time, I was really big into CrossFit, but something happened with my gym and that like I didn't end up going back to my CrossFit gym. And it was so interesting because I was like, if this was me six years ago, I would have been crushed. Like, what am I going to do? But I was like, okay, time to find something new, (laughs) you know? Um, So now, I mean, my gym is closed, so I can't go, but I do, I love rock climbing. Um, Obviously Zumba, which you saw yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is yesterday I was like, I'm going to be like good at this. Like I'm a pretty good dancer. And then I was like, nope. (laughs) That's the best. (laughs) Clearly had some, uh, yeah, I clearly had some, uh, Maybe I'm just like too confident in myself now that I was like, yeah, I got this. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah. And gosh, I mean, I have also expanded my friend group. That's also been like a story of mine that I've had to work through is like my friendships. So like creating new deep friendships as well. And yeah, just connecting with people. I mean, that's, that, that's my toolbox really. <laughs> so great and you're always you know that's what's great about the toolbox you're always like adding adding to it and what you need in that moment or that season and there's always something available so I love it so Molly where can people hang out with you well I spend pretty much all my time on Instagram (laughs) 
dance parties and and peanut butter. Yes, all the time. Um, So yeah, you can hang out with me on Instagram. I'm in stories all the time, pretty much. So that's over at Molly Kate Wellness. Um, I do also, I've been trying to tweet. I've been trying to be a Twitter person, but really Twitter for me is more of like, oh, I have this thought. Let me tweet it out and I'll come back to it and create it into Instagram content later. (laughs) It's it's basically like a a stream of my consciousness to like document that somewhere. Um, But yeah, Instagram is definitely the best place to find me, but it has all links to all my things there. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and your experiences and toolbox kit I love it. Um, It's brought so much value. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Mind and Body Strong podcast. You are what makes this movement and message possible. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend, a coworker, a family member, or take a screenshot and share it on your favorite social media platform and tag Mind and Body Strong. To learn more about coaching and courses to help you take your journey to the next level, visit mindandbodystrong.com.